This morning we have an opportunity to study the resurrection, to think about what this day means. And we're going to be doing that in a story in the Gospel of John. Let me begin with prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather as the family of God. Thank you that our lives have been changed by your grace and mercy, by your son's death on the cross, but a death that did not remain because he rose from the dead. And we celebrate that this morning. Lord, I pray as we study the scriptures, you would help us all to understand and see as we read these words, we pray that we would just have an encounter with you. Lord, help me to serve these fine folks this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> a brief story for you. As a bagpiper, I play many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be at a pauper cemetery in the country, in Kentucky backcountry. Not being familiar with the backwoods, I got lost, and being a typical man, I did not stop to ask for directions. I finally arrived an hour late and saw the funeral guy had evidently gone, and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There were only the diggers and crew left, and they were eating lunch. I felt badly and apologized to the men for being late went to the side of the grave and looked down and the vault lid was already in place. I didn't know what else to do, so I started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I played my heart out and soul for this man with no family and friends. I played like I'd never played before for this homeless man. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept. I wept. We all wept together. When I finished, I packed up my bagpipes and started for my car. Though my head hung low, my heart was full. As I opened the door to my car, I heard one of the workers say, I never seen nothing like that before. I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> it's not often, in fact, it's, it's rare that we can find something other than heartache when we're talking about death. Easter, the celebration of Jesus' resurrection, is one such rare story. And in John's gospel this morning, there's there's another story about death and resurrection that is more than just heartache. We pick up this story in John's gospel. It's been three years since Jesus began traveling through the region, telling people about God's kingdom and telling them why he came. And with signs and wonders, he has demonstrated his power as the son of God. He's turned water to wine. He's healed a dying boy. He's made a lame man walk and a blind man see. He said 5,000 by multiplying five loaves of bread and two fishes to feed them all. And now we come to this story in John's gospel. Let me begin reading in chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. If you do not have a Bible, please just look on with somebody next to you. 
Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister said to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus answered them, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things to them, he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake... I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Three words I want to use to describe this story that we're going to continue reading in just a moment. The first one is heartache. Heartache. Martha and Mary, Lazarus' two sisters, are heartbroken. And they are grieving that their brother is dying. And the only thing they know to do is to ask their friend Jesus, who is a dear friend of theirs, to come and to do only what he can do, which is heal their brother. He has performed these miracles, water to wine and healing the, the dying boy and letting the, having the blind man see. And so Jesus is the one they call. For a reason unknown to them, but known to us, Jesus delays his coming and Lazarus does die. So the situation goes from dire to tragic. The pain of death, the pain of death in Martha and Mary's life has occurred. Verse 18, John writes, Bethany where Lazarus had died, was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus loved this family. And Lazarus' illness was something he cared about. And his death affected him as it does Martha and Mary. Martha hears that Jesus is coming, and so she runs out to meet him. And Mary is so heartbroken, she, she stays back. She doesn't even bother to go out. Verse 
Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, she says, I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, oh, yeah, Lord, I I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Martha is saying to Jesus, look, our, our Jewish heritage, our Jewish history, our Jewish belief teaches us that there is a resurrection after you die and, and on the last day when, and when time comes. I'm not sure what it all means, but, but I do have this belief that, that Lazarus will eventually rise again. And in her, in her grief, she's trying to find hope in anything she can. And later on in the chapter, in verse 30, 33, when, when Martha and Mary are grieving, I'll read that to you. When Jesus saw her weeping, speaking of Mary, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus identifies with her. Martha and Mary are not the only ones grieving. There's heartache in Jesus' heart because he loves this family. Jesus' reaction isn't distant or, 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 or unfeeling. He shows his care. He shows his care. Most, and he shows his care most clearly seen in what is about to happen in a week when he goes to his death on a cross. He knows He knows what it is to feel heartache. And he feels that heartache for Martha and Mary. And eventually, he will bear all our sorrows and all our griefs by dying on that cross. He, Jesus knows what our world is like. He knows the effects of sin upon our world, of pain and sorrow and suffering and fear and anxiety and hopelessness. Those those things that we, we feel and we experience every day when we turn on the news or we look at a newspaper or we get on the internet and we see what is happening around us and we hear stories after stories and it breaks our hearts. We see the effect of sin. This story shows us that God is near to the brokenhearted. In Psalm 6, David writes, The Lord has heard my sound of weeping. And that is what Jesus is doing here. He is hearing the sound of these women and their weeping. He feels the heartache that they feel because Lazarus has died. But heartache isn't the only emotion that Jesus feels. And that's the next word that describes this story, not just heartache of Martha and Mary and Jesus. But the next word is hatred. As Jesus stands among the tombs witnessing Martha and Mary's grief in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, and back then they hired professional mourners. 
So these weren't exactly people who were genuinely weeping. They just paid somebody to come and cry at their funeral. That may be necessary for me. I may need somebody to come cry at my funeral. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Greatly troubled. In the original language, the words here used for moved and trouble literally mean anger and outrage. Not exactly something we would expect at this moment in this story. What is it that outrages Jesus so? John tells us again in 1138, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. He is angry and he is outraged. And what is he angry about? Jesus is angry about what he sees as the ultimate effect and power of sin and death in the lives of those around him. Think about what makes you angry. Particularly getting angry when you see and feel and experience the effects of sin in your life. I mean, we are justifiably angry when we turn on the news and see a school shooting. We turn on the news and we see children who are abused. We turn on the news and we see our our world just seemingly falling apart. We are affected by sin when we are people are lied to. We see the unjust treatment of others. We experience the, the effects of sin in our own lives when we are betrayed or we are slandered or we are gossiped about. And it makes us angry. And understandably so. And Jesus, the sinless Son of God, is angry at this moment because he knows and he sees that the ultimate end of sin is death. Eternal death where where no hope exists. And when Jesus looks on death, he sees the wreckage caused By human sin, he sees the wreckage upon each and every life. And so he is troubled here. Lazarus' death has burdened Jesus' soul and roused his anger. And as he approaches the grave of his dear friend, he approaches not just with sad heartache and emotion, but he approaches the grave with the idea of warfare against the enemy, which is death. He wades into enemy territory with a fierce anger committed to defeating this enemy, death. Then Jesus, deeply moved, again came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Jesus is going to warfare against death. B.B. Warfield, who is a theologian, wrote in his commentary of this moment, he says, Jesus approached the grave of Lazarus in a state not of uncontrollable grief, but inexpressible anger. The emotion which tore his breast and clamored for utterance was just rage. It is death that is the object of his wrath. And behind him, 
death, him who is the power of death and whom he had come into the world to destroy. Tears of sympathy may fill his eyes, but his soul is held by rage and he advances to the tomb as a champion who prepares for conflict. The mission of Jesus is to destroy that which is bent on ultimately destroying us. And so he comes to the tomb and he says, take away the stone. There is heartache for the death of Lazarus and for the effects of death. There is hatred for what the effect of sin and death has upon humanity. And then the third word that describes this story is the word hope. If you look back earlier in chapter 11, Jesus comes and he says to Mary, your brother will rise again. And Mary says to him, yeah, I know on the last day he will. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Mary, in her heartache and in her grief, is standing there by the tomb of her brother, knowing that he is dead. And Jesus tells her, he's not. I'm the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, oh, he'll, he'll never die. And with these staggering words, he speaks and something amazing happens. And this is where we get a glimpse of this future resurrection because in just one week, Jesus himself is going to die. In just one week, Jesus himself is going to be hung on a cross, bleeding, suffering, intense agony. He's going to be bearing all of the sins of humanity upon his shoulders. And in that moment, Right before he dies, his father will pour out his wrath, his justified wrath for the sins of the world and he will forsake his only son. He will reject his only son. He will turn his face away from his only son. And at that moment, all seems lost. And then, and then, what we are celebrating today, all is not lost. And this story of Lazarus, in just a moment, we will see. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha says to him, the sister of the dead man says to him, Lord, by this time there's going to be an odor, for he's been in the grave for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they take away the stone and Jesus lifts his eyes and he thanks God. He says, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you heard my prayer. Thank you that you always hear my prayers. Thank you you do this because you care for those whom you created. And when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
And the man who died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Here is a glimpse, a future glimpse of this resurrection that is about to come in a week, the climax of all that Jesus came to do as he rescues humanity from the wreckage of sin in their lives and from the final penalty of death. Martha learns that Jesus at this moment is a lot more than just a healer. He didn't come just to heal Lazarus. He came to raise him from the dead. And although she won't understand this resurrection for another week, she's witnessing now the beginning of death being put to death. And it will all begin with the death of Christ. And so he says, you know, just Martha, Mary, let me show you what I mean. Lazarus, come out. And with two words, he displays the awesome power of God as he takes on sin and death in this moment in Lazarus's life and he calls him to life. Lazarus comes out. Now think about that. If, if he had not used Lazarus's name, this is among the tombs. If he had just said, come out, there would have been a crowd. A smelly, stinky crowd wrapped in linen cloths. So he, he uses this one name. Now this moment, this moment of Lazarus being raised from the dead, it's just a shadow of what is to come, what is to be the most profound and agonizing and horrific and transforming and historic event in all of human history. This event of Jesus' crucifixion and death. Jesus is going to overcome what is impossible for us to overcome, sin and death and the devil. And in just a few days, he will hang on that cross. At this And at that moment, he's going to feel the full fury of God so that we won't have to spend eternity in the grave. But we will understand and experience what Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Because finally, Jesus will put to death, by his death, sin and death. And death will no longer be our greatest enemy. But the death of Christ is not the end of the story, as we have learned in Luke 24, after Jesus has been hanging on the cross and dying and then put in the grave. But on the first day of the week, excuse me, at the early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away. Similar story found it rolled away from the tomb, but not by men. When they had went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. 
My friends, that is what we celebrate today. We celebrate the death of death and the death of Christ. That's what we celebrate today. We celebrate that he is the resurrection and the life. We celebrate that, that like Lazarus, we too will rise again. Now, Lazarus dies again. Lazarus doesn't live forever. This isn't like Lazarus' coming out party and he never dies again. No, he does. He dies physically. But he lives eternally. You know, although my funeral story at the beginning made us laugh, there's nothing funny about death. It's a promised future for us all. And because of this, many fear death. What do you fear most in life? Roaches, zombies, lightning. I'm scared to death of lightning. I'm convinced I'm going to get hit by lightning in every lightning storm. I will sit in the car for an hour in the heat just so I won't get hit by lightning. <clears throat> Maybe I should. All fear death. And the reason all fear death is because all fear the unknown. We don't know what's beyond and on the other side. It's, it's the fear of what might be or what might not be. It's a fear that leads many to avoid even just talking about death. We come up with all these euphemisms. Oh, he's just gone to a better place. Oh, he just passed away. No, he's dead. He died. It is a fear that leads many to avoid talking about it, especially those who don't know Christ. Remember, in this passage, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks this very important question. He looks at Martha and he says, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Aristotle said this about death. He said, death is a dreadful thing for it is the end. The French philosopher Rousseau said, he who pretends to face death without fear is a liar. And Thomas Paine on his deathbed said this. He said, oh Lord, help me. Christ, help me. Oh God, what have I done to suffer so much? But there is no God. But if there is, what will become of me? John Newton the author of the wonderful song, Amazing Grace, knew Jesus well and said this on his deathbed. As his memory was fading, he said, I really only remember two things. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. Do you fear death? Christ's resurrection has conquered death. 
And he is alive today. Romans 6, 9, Paul writes, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Jesus' resurrection tells us all we need to know. Sin and death have been conquered. And if we believe in him, we can experience joy in our final hours. And we can be confident that there is more to this than death. That there is life beyond death. What, what are you going to say on that day, that final day, when you lay dying? You don't have to fear. Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The promise he made to Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will never die, remains to this day. That promise is here to this day. It is for all who have trusted in Christ trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins trusted in Christ for their salvation trusted in Christ for their future resurrection trusted in Christ who have repented of their sins of this this way of life that does create wreckage in in every place you go the resurrection is not a once a year story. Heartache is a part of daily life, but there is hope that can overcome that heartache. It is a hope found only in Christ. All our hope and peace rests in the blood of Christ having been shed on his dying cross. Do you believe this? My friends, that's what the resurrection is about. That is what we celebrate. And understand, without Christ's death, there is no resurrection. He had to die. He had to suffer. He had to be crucified for us to get to this day. But he did. And we are at this day. Yes, there is heartache, but there is also hope. Do you believe this? There's a promise. I'll close with this. Paul, the apostle, writes in 1 Thessalonians. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you. Thank you for this truth. This is more than just a story. This is reality. Reality that life is not just about we live and then we die. You have promised resurrection. You have promised a future hope. And Lord, I pray for those who are here today who, who don't have that hope, that you would show them 
who you are, that you would reveal to them the truth and love of your Son, Jesus Christ, that they may find hope today. In Christ's name, amen.